0: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence, live on Memphis's sports station, 92.9 FM, ESPN. Jim, mother, can you hear me whining? It's been three whole since that night.
2: Have-
3: welcome, welcome, welcome here, to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright 929 espn Dennis Fuller's producer of the program for us. Glad that he's with us. Sitting across from me is the Commercial Appeals Lead Sports Columnist. The Lead Sports Columnist, the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnists in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGN. Mark, good day, sir.
2: Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Glad to be back after a... Uh, well, we we hyped up the, the weekend so much. It was going to be hard to totally deliver from a sports perspective. Felt like Saturday, pretty darn good. For the record, you hyped up the week. I hyped up Saturday.
3: Yeah. And I thought Saturday delivered.
2: Yeah, no, Saturday delivered drama. Yesterday...
3: Eh, yesterday was exactly what I told you coming into it. Eh. The problem of the NFL is... We have, I don't know, somewhere around 10 teams that are actually interesting in the NFL. And unless they're
2: playing each other, you get a lot of these, this game kind of stinks. Did Travis Kelsey realize all this and make this, that's why he made this the weekend, Taylor, he invited Taylor Swift to a Kansas City Chiefs game. Spice it up a little bit. Did Travis Kelsey ruin the Dolphins' performance?
3: Oh, interesting. Oh, that's... That's good, that's that's because the Dolphins. It felt like it felt like after they got to I don't know in the '40s, we kind of moved on. Mm-hmm. And it also didn't help that that was clearly like a regional broadcast. Like you mm-hmm. that was deep, deep yeah. on Sunday Ticket. Like mm-hmm. that would have been in the in the good old days of Directv Sunday Ticket when it started at like seven <laughs> o like seven o five. That one would have been the closest game to the three o five game.
2: Yeah, well, it's the one where it's the one where back in the day, like your local your local sportscaster would serve as the sideline reporter. Correct. You know? yes. like, they, yeah. they didn't. They wouldn't even bring in the national sideline reporter. They'd use a. Yep. They'd use the local sportscaster. But, um, lots of overreactions to get to as a result of that. Uh, this this weekend f- full of uh football and Jeffrey, we can high. How do you how do you factor in next weekend in terms of hyping it up? Because we do add the Ryder Cup into the mix this week.
3: Yeah, our patriotism is on and is on full. Like I I I suspect
2: the you know, preview here. Is I suspect when we go to the tasting menu, this will be the first time all year where you'll be willing to cede a, a football TV to Ryder to well, to something other than football. I mean, it, it kind of depends. But the thing that will be nice
3: is because the Ryder Cup's in Europe. Oh, we're we, getting morning the, golf, aren't yes, we? Correct. Oh, yes, correct. So I don't have to watch. Yes. I don't have to pretend to watch game day and watch uh, of oh, Struggle this Through is gonna,
2: the pick segment. This is, this is going to be good. Correct. going to be a good sports weekend. Well, um, we've got a lot of overreactions to get to from college football. I, I, I got to get into this Travis Kelsey Taylor, I'm I'm kind of obsessed with it, the story. It's weird. I don't I know. I think the
3: biggest upset of all I'm kind all is
2: of sheepish saying it. I'm kind of ashamed saying it, but I, I'm I'm all in on the Travis Kelsey uh, Taylor Swift story. This has taken me
3: by surprise because of the two of us, the one that knows way more about Taylor Swift would be me, and you're the one getting swept up in it. I'm yeah. rolling
2: my eyes at it. Yeah, no. Well, I... I, it's almost, I'm watching it like pro wrestling. Like, I don't think this is actually real. But I watch sports sense. like it's pro wrestling because one thing
3: Vincent Kennedy McMahon taught me at a very young age, Mark, life is professional wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> everything is wrestling.
2: Yeah, everything is wrestling. It's just a little more exaggerated.
3: Correct. That's, that's, yeah. That's, exactly.
2: That's, yeah. um, but uh, 240 or so, Jason Munns will join us. The Tiger basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, uh, had a big official visit this weekend, Curtis Givens III, uh, former Mus player, now at Mount Verard Academy. He uh, had a official visit with the Tigers. Jason wrote about it, and we've got a big official visit this coming weekend. Billy Richmond III, a lot of thirds out there. Yeah, a lot of three another sticks. another local kid played at East, then transferred to Camden High School. Played with Dewan Wagner's kid uh, last year. And uh, in the uh, in Camden, New Jersey. And uh, he's going to be on an official visit with Memphis this weekend. So we'll get Munz's thoughts on the Tigers recruiting. Also, uh, what he thinks about the schedule that got rele- you know, officially released in full with the conference games last late last week. We'll get Munz's thoughts later this hour. 3 o'clock. Got our recap of the recap. Our NFL primetime review. Um, boom. Boom felt like I did. Yeah, Boom was kind of – it wasn't the greatest primetime, but it also wasn't the greatest Sunday of NFL football. There was only so much Boom could do with this. And – but – I thought Boog delivered. I thought – Well, thought, we, got our, we got our first rankings of the year. We, mm-hmm. like, got rankings of players, of you know, like top, top whatever. Well,
3: no, he's been – the problem that I've had with Boog this year is I wonder if the internet got to him. There was nothing better when them than when Boog would say this, Boog would say this guy's a top three player in the league, and then name all five other guys that were top three players. Mm-hmm. That was the best. Yes. Now it's a lot of one of the best young players in the league. No, well, we, we,
2: we did get a top. We got a cre- sneak preview. Chris Olave is mm. somewhere in a top ranking um, for Boog, but yeah, it was okay. But the one one takeaway, I didn't even realize this. After tonight, after tonight's Monday Night Football games. As Boone pointed out, we'll only have three undefeated teams left in the NFL. That's how chaotic it's well, been. Well, and also, he he welcomed us. Because we do so, have Philly-Tampa. Someone's not going to be undefeated well, after the, first, first the Philly-Tampa well, game we could, tonight. We could
3: still have a tie. Uh, oh, that's true. Oh, good point. And we almost had a tie yesterday. Yeah. We were sniffing. Yes. We were sniffing around hard for yeah, a tie, Baltimore, in Baltimore. <laughs> wanted to tie. Yeah,
2: yeah. At the, well, at at the crab I think the Colts did, too, but Matt Gay just was hitting bombs. And then uh, we will get into the list. We'll get you ready for those Monday night football games. Um, and uh, yeah, so lots and lots to get to on today's show. Um, but wanted to start with college football because Saturday was the best day. Should we start? Let's start with the Memphis-Missouri game. All right. I was in St. I made the drive up to St. Louis uh, along with some others, probably about there were 45 – I think they announced the attendance at 45,000 at the uh, the Dome at America's Place. Um, I would say at least – if that's the true number, I think it was probably a little less – at least 40,000 were Missouri fans. I was going to say <laughs> at least – 42,500 maybe? <laughs> like, yeah, probably. Something, yeah. There weren't that many Memphis fans. And something to keep in mind as you talk about, you know, like the the circumstances of this game where it was supposed to be in Memphis – and it got moved to St. Louis, um, and Memphis got a million bucks. Well, I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna end up being they got a million bucks because if you look, if you read through the details of it, like two hundred fifty thousand of it is what they would have gotten if Missouri had canceled the game. Like they got the cancellation fee that was in the original contract. Then five hundred thousand were guaranteed, and then. There was an additional two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of tickets. Worth of lower level tickets. And it looked like Memphis sold some, but there's I find it hard to believe they sold like given the crowd, they sold two hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of tickets. Yeah. So it's probably I, less than a million dollars. I don't know what face value total. was,
3: but it seemed to me
2: like it seemed to me like they brought about someone on the Missouri side told me that they had they sold thirty nine thousand tickets to that game that was what that was what someone on the missouri side told me and that about 20,000 of them were sold after, after they, they beat, beat kansas, state, yeah. after they beat kansas state like that was if they had not beaten kansas state that was going to be a small crowd I yeah think.
3: that was going to be even more cavernous than it already
2: felt yeah and it was you know i don't know it was you know it was as dated as i thought it was, it was dated that would that would be the best way to describe that dome at this point it I wasn't just, horrible I, like the turf was pretty bad it felt like it was really old I turf. Mean, I can't remember re- like. if I said it. On even the show being Friday, down there. It looked bad on TV. But even just being down there on the field, it felt old. I turf. just felt like watching it on TV. Like
3: watching it on TV, you could just tell. Like, oh, this feels like a very old cavernous dome that does not yeah. does that does not host a lot of events anymore.
2: No, we looked it up. Remember, the next event is the Metallica yeah, concert but in it, two, two months, two, two nights. Yeah, two nights. Um, no, you know how you can tell if turf is old. If it, it's if the you're color, on, no, when it well, starts it's, having it's, that
3: faded, when it starts having that faded, like it looks like it's a, like it looks like it's you've got
2: green that you erased. But it's also when you're on when you're on turf that's like new or newish or new. Sits up. Well, you get the pebbles in your shoes. You know when you walk yeah, on no, it, you get the, the, the little rubber. rubber. And the, there's more like rubber all over. There were the no rubber in my shoes after that. The last other night. way you after can the, tell right, when, field, when I was walking
3: around that field when field turf is old. It sits all the way
2: down. Yes, it's like, yeah, It yeah. just like lays flat. Yes, it was. Eh, I don't know. It was not a. Uh, it was not great. So like at least like like at least like the uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Yeah, it's like like I would say this. The but they got seating. The new, they got the new turf. They got the new. Yeah, but that's what I was say. The playing surface at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium is pretty nice. Yeah, it's 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 that new. I think it's the same thing they put in SoFi. Um, and so it's like. Matrix and the, field and, turf matrix and, and, or something like that, and the home locker room at the Simmons at Simmons Mack Liberty Stadium is pretty nice too. It's relatively new, Um so there's like you know that that was better than that. Where Jones, it just felt dated. It felt like you were stepping back in time, walking into that place. But and also, it was built at a time
3: like when we talk about with with FedEx Forum, how it was built at a time when it feels like like when I look at that dome, it reminds me so much of the Georgia Dome. And like both those two domes just like got outdated immediately.
2: Yeah, because it's not that old. It's only for it was built in 1995. Correct. But if, it's well, like I mean, the Georgia Dome was built in
3: 92, and they got a new stadium what in like 2017.
2: Yeah, it's like a it's a building that feels a lot older than it yeah. is. Um, nonetheless, Memphis goes in there, loses its first game of the year. Um, I thought, you know, didn't play great, but was feisty that was the word I kept coming back to like they had a chance they had chances to win that game against Missouri the other night I think the better team won like the team that deserved to win won the game ultimately but Memphis did have chances to pull off an upset if if they had done a couple things differently it felt like yeah even, I, even though again like the better I, like the better team it the better team won the game the game the team that deserved to win won the game if you Missouri want, played better.
3: Yes. I, I, Missouri played better. Missouri had more. Missouri had more, presented more problems for Memphis than Memphis presented for Missouri. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, if Memphis would have capitalized on a couple other scoring opportunities, sure. I still think the problem was, it felt to me like every time Missouri had to go get a score, they could.
2: Yeah. No, it was... It was really interesting because it was obviously, as I mentioned, a road environment. If I don't know what it sounded like on TV, but it felt it felt like it. It in certainly there.
3: looks like a Missouri home
2: game. Um, and and they played all they did all the Missouri stuff. You know, they did the Missouri yell and like you know, like it was it was their production. Um, now the only thing different was the Memphis, uh, the mighty sound of the South played at halftime, and got booed by the crowd when they were coming on the field. Um, but and then. You get there in about an hour before kickoff. The uh, team spokesperson just kind of quietly lets the uh, the people the be- the Memphis contingent who had traveled there from the press know. Uh, oh, by the way, we're, uh, both of our scholarship kickers are not did not make the trip. They're out injured. Uh, I think this guy's going to be the kicker, but we'll see when the game <laughs> we'll yeah. see when the game starts. It looked like from warmups that's what that's who might kick. Um, and uh, so you're without both your scholarship kickers. Um, and then on the third, I think it was the third play of the game, Missouri uncorks a 76-yard touchdown pass. Yes. Like at that moment, I mean, we texted with each other.
3: I was uh, like, oh, boy. Uh, there was a – I credit Memphis because at that point I did start to think of, does that smell like a route in the air? Mm-hmm. But then Memphis answered right back. Yes. And, and honestly, for the first quarter, I think Memphis clearly outplayed them.
2: they were the first 10, quarter. They're ten 7 ten seven after the first quarter. Yeah. They then I think out got out gained um it was a lot. It was like one sixty something to twenty four in the second quarter. And Missouri never trailed after that. But no uh,
3: they, let's see, second quarter alone was one sixty three, twenty four.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um and they hung in there they had twice had the ball in the second half with a chance to tie the score yeah um and ultimately including to start the fourth quarter that was where the that felt like that was where the game ultimately was won and lost was that fourth and five to start the fourth quarter
3: yeah i think that's fair because they're
2: down 7 at
3: first i thought okay missouri had that possession right at the end of the half where they get a field goal correct and then they were going to get the ball to start mm mm-hmm. mhm and then I was thinking, like, okay, this will – Memphis gets the stop right out of the gate mm-hmm. and gets the ball back. But, yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it was the – It was And now some people of- had a
2: problem. I did not have a problem with Ryan going for it on fourth and five there. That's, I, I thought it was a tough decision, but I didn't think either way was uh, – I could have seen him go in either direction. It would have been, a, I think, a 38-yard field goal for your – third string kicker essentially, but he had hit a forty-three yarder in the first half and Honest, he hit his extra points. I, I don't know. It's honestly the, the the
3: decision that he had that I disagreed with the most was the one that got the least amount of criticism. Mm-hmm. I thought when it was was it fourth and four fourth and four and they kicked the twenty two yard field goal.
2: Yeah. At the end. At the end of the game. Towards the end like with five minutes to go or something right. like that. Right.
3: The hardest thing to get when you're down two scores is the touchdown. I thought they should have gone for the touchdown. With that said. Yeah, with 5.18 to go. Because if you get the touchdown, you can conceivably kick it deep and get the ball. Like, I I feel like if that was a three-point game. I felt like if it was a three-point game, Missouri, you could kick it deep to Missouri, and Missouri would probably have tried to be a little bit more conservative on offense, Mm -hmm. and you could have conceivably got the ball back. But that's the decision that I think is getting the least amount of criticism. Yeah, yeah. Like I think if you put that into the decision bot, that would have mm-hmm. spat out "Go for it." Mm-hmm. Well, it's. it's uh, three time, and one. I don't think there were coaching decisions nah, was- that got them beat. I think that was a personnel game. The team that had the better players and the team that did more
2: won. Well, there was. Just, it was. It was both it was like i think ultimately the encouraging outweighed the discouraging in that game like I you think come away probably... you came away i think feeling you know not i i don't know if i feel like great about memphis coming out of the game but i think i feel better about them than i did going in still ultimately though they lost cl- you know though they lost
3: i think that's fair because I suspect that's going to be the best team that they see this year. Mm-hmm. until Unless they go to, like, the Peach Bowl or whatever. Like, that's going to be the best team they see in their first, whatever, the 12 regular season games. And I think it was obvious to me that the better team won, but they certainly did not get outclassed.
2: Yeah. You did they not never were like, overwhelmed. You never felt
3: like watching this game. You never felt and like. And feels
2: like, like it was a similar Missouri team to the one you played in 2018, like a bowl-ish team. With like one, a couple NFL. Like I think the, the Drew Locke was on that Missouri team from 2018 that they lost to. Yeah, if I
3: recall, though, that was the year Missouri had Heiple as their OC, and like they had a big time Like that was the year that people thought Locke was going to end up being a first round pick. Yeah, and then the next year Missouri replaced. There, that Heupel. was an,
2: it. Was an eight and five. Missouri yeah. team that year. I think they beat Florida and Florida.
3: Like, it was a pretty solid
2: Missouri I, team. I, and th- this Missouri team, I mean, that Luther Bolden guy is, you know, going to be probably a first-round draft pick, it appears. I never know, like, with guys like him, like, size. Yeah, a little
3: smaller. But he looks like he's an NFL wide he receiver. He looks like a guy that's going to play on Sundays for a while.
2: Yeah. and Looks like
3: a two-contract guy.
2: Yes. And it was interesting because there were some things that make you go, hmm, I'm a little worried about, I should be a little worried about this. And then also some things that you're like, wow, they did this against a Missouri team that appears, you know, is currently number 22 in the country. Um, And if they can do that against a Missouri team that's number 22 in the country, why can't they do it against Boise State and Tulane? Yeah. Um, But, like, I like, you know, it's very clear the two best weapons they have on offense are Blake Watson and Rock Taylor. And Blake Watson got... 18 carries and nine catches. So 27 touches in that game for 134 total yards. And Rock Taylor got seven catches for 143. Probably could have been eight catches for 165. Remember that he dropped that easy one in yep. the first half. Like they got they it's very clear who their two best weapons are, and they did a really good job against an SEC defense getting those guys the ball. Um so I like that. Um and the defense It's interesting, but offensively, to counteract that, though, ultimately on the first 44 snaps of the game, they averaged three yards per play. And that was like the problem. They averaged 8.2 over the final 32 snaps of the game. Like they got, they were were much better about halfway through the third quarter till the end of the game offensively. But part of that was it felt like Missouri went, Ben, don't break. Like, hey, we're just going to, we're happy to give up field goals to you now that we have the lead. We just don't want to give up touchdowns.
3: Yeah, I'm a little hesitant to say that was a breakthrough mm-hmm. because it felt like Missouri played very differently once they got a two score and, lead.
2: And ultimately the two turnovers happened in the second half yeah. when they were moving, you know, like the two interceptions by, by Hennigan happened in the, in One the second One was a fourth
3: half. down throw, wasn't it?
2: Yes. The four, it was the fourth and five. Yeah. The fourth and five uh, to start the fourth quarter.
3: Yeah. My overreaction is the biggest problem that I have with Memphis's offense right now. And it's been something that I, I've, I think I've been mentioning, mm-hmm. I know oftentimes when offensive production is not meeting expectations, mm-hmm. the easy thing to do is blame the coaches. Mm-hmm. The problem I have with Memphis' offense right now is when I watch Seth play, everything feels very slow. Mm-hmm. Like you can almost feel him when he's going through a progression in a passing route. You can almost feel him like counting in his head. Where's first read? Where's second read? Where's third read? Then throw. And it feels like there are guys open and the length of time that it takes, it makes it end up being a much harder proposition I, than it ends up like it probably should have been.
2: Well, he's got he's got five interceptions already. Yep. Which is you know, on pace, I think he's had eight the past two years. So he's on pace to set a career high in interceptions right now. Um and I do think like when you watch these games and you're watching it from above like there have been and this is just my naked eye there you know I'm yep. like at least two or three times already this season where I've just noticed been like that guy's wide open why did he not yep. throw him the ball and I like I'm not a religious film watcher but well, I, my guess is every quarterback except the very best have that sort of stuff in their film if Well you will.
3: I I suspect this would be my my guess oftentimes that happens when you predetermine, I'm going here with the
2: ball. I, I just look at it as to win that game, you needed Seth Henigan to be at his very best, and he, it just didn't feel like that was his very best. Ultimately, of his, I didn't think he was terrible. Of his, 40, he was fine. He threw for 300. Uh, of his 47
3: throws, yards. Of the 47 throws, 30 went to three guys. Yeah. And again, I don't have a problem with that. Like, feed your best guys, get them the ball. Mm-hmm. But I think those two things
2: are related. I think oftentimes what happens is you lock on
3: on get the ball to my playmaker.
2: One, it it also feels like he's got a pattern now of like in these bit. Like, I don't think I don't necessarily think the fourth and five was his fault. You know, like he was just ultimately it was he was rushed from the pocket and. Just threw the ball because it was fourth down. You know, like I don't yeah. think in another situation he's throwing that pass that got intercepted. Even no, though it was, I, the it was other 50-50 problem I have ball. with the interceptions,
3: sometimes interceptions people focus too much on them. Yeah. The problem that I have with the interceptions is if I felt like he were throwing picks because like he's being ultra aggressive mm-hmm. and hey, he's trying to like he's trying to make the big play happen, but it feels like oftentimes like a lot of the interceptions are off of like. Throws that are somewhat on the safer side.
2: Yeah. No, and and if you're not, I mean, it's hard. It's a double-edged sword in the sense that they still, they have not been an effective run team. He is not ultimately the type of quarterback who is going to go win you a game throwing 50 balls. He's, the problem Seth Hennigan has at times, I think, is that he is the type of Like he's ultimately like a game manager at you know at at heart, right? Like that's he doesn't have the big arm. Ultimately, like he's more of a game manager type, and you can't be a good game manager quarterback without a running without like a good running game.
3: Yeah, I mean in this system, like yeah, if you're an air raid guy, like
2: no, but that's uh, yeah, I guess like um you're right, you're right. Will Rogers doesn't have. With, within these parameters. But I do think he could be playing better. We've seen him play better. I totally agree with that. Yes. We've seen him play better. And so, you know, like, ultimately... But I also
3: don't want to... I don't want it to be misconstrued that the, I think the reason they lost to Missouri is because of him. The no. reason I think they lost to Missouri is Missouri had better players and they did the things they had to do to win that the, type of game.
2: But the, the way... The reason why it's important is that the Missouri game is, at this point, kind of whatever... There's now two huge home games yeah. coming up <laughs> like ultimately the uh, it feels to me I mean everyone thought they were gonna lose like who predicted them beating Missouri this year I, I mean I'm sure there are a few Tiger fans out there who did but did it, Jonah give them that win <laughs> I, I don't th- I don't know I don't think so I, very few people would yeah, were saying they're gonna go in and beat Missouri and in fact wouldn't you agree if you had told anyone before the season started, hey, you're going to go lose by seven to Missouri in St. Louis in front of 40,000 Missouri fans. I think everyone will sign up for that. That sounds sounds like fine, I guess, you know? Um, And it's not going to be a seven-point loss where you, like, blew it. It's just a seven-point loss where, you know, like, you came up short. You trailed for most of the game. Yeah. And uh, these next two are the most important, ultimately. And now, I mean, I really think while the Boise game doesn't decide anything within the conference— just for the sake of like you came out of this Missouri game, not with like a ton of momentum, but you didn't like put the brakes on your season. You know, like everyone can still have hope about your season coming out of that Missouri game. No,
3: but like, I also don't think you ramped up any anticipation either for
2: this I Saturday. Agree. You're like you kind of came you stayed out stayed in neutral. Yeah, you, you Stay- didn't. I don't think you took a step back, you didn't take a step forward. If you don't win this one, you will take a step back. Agreed. Like even though, again, you can if you lose to Boise State, you can still go up behind that podium and go, all our goals, all our goals are still in front of us. You know, like we can still yeah. be a conference, chip, whatever. Because you got Tulane the next week. But ultimately, people are going to start. People are going to go, oh, so they beat the three lousy teams on their schedule, and when they played decent teams, they can't. You know, they can't right. win. That's that's what people are going to decide based on this game. Yeah, and you were th- you were three and one because of your schedule, and so it sets up a huge game. And I think, you know, a bi- a really big game for Seth Henigan ultimately because I-, I think we've seen in the past, over the last decade, when Memphis has been really good, usually there's been a really good quarterback involved in the success. <laughs> like I mean, that's certainly a highly productive one. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like that's just the that's just the facts. Um, so, but I think there was a, there, there was some stuff like that, that touchdown pass he threw to Joe Skates on fourth down that in was the first a be- half. That was a great pass. Was, that was a classic. Not only was that a beautiful ball, that's a really tough catch. He like,
3: had, over the shoulder, defender on you. That's a tough catch. That was a beautiful throw and catch.
2: He had, he had a few really nice throws. And I think what's a, what's apparent to me is... I don't think any, no one on this. None of his weapons are as good as Calvin Austin was, but I do think I think they've upgraded their weapons. They, they From last it's the year. best weapons since that first team, and maybe the total because if you have like sure. you go Rock, Blake Watson, Damir C and uh, and uh, Joe Skates, like all of them together might be his best. It's you know his best group of playmakers since he's been here. So. Um, well, we'll I, I think it is fair to say, like, because we always talked
3: about, like, we didn't know what we were going to learn through the first month of the season. I do think it is fair to say when they lost all their skill position players, mm-hmm. it's probably for a reason. Yeah.
2: The I, only, I mean, Priest Corn is the only, yeah, yeah. In the moment, you went, well, like, Priest Corn was the one who really, that really hurt in yeah. the moment. And that's the only one where you'd go, I know he's been hurt, yeah. for Ole Miss, But I think he played this past weekend for the first but time. He looked like he was still hurt. Yeah. And so, um, but yeah, no. It seems like they're. It seems like they did. Well. I. I said this last week. I think. I think they did the best they've done in the portal since like the transfer portal became a thing under Ryan. I think it's very obvious they had more hits
3: in the portal than they've had
2: previously. More immediate hits. Yeah, impact yeah. guys. Um, interestingly enough, Memphis SP and P Plus, uh, over at ESPN the analytics rankings, pretty high on Memphis still has them forty one, only three spots below Tulane and three spots ahead of Fresno State, who is the highest ranked group of five team as of this week. They're the only ranked group of five team as of this week. Um Boise, number sixty one uh in the S P plus. Um, yeah,
3: it's still very early for Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of like Ken Palmer. Yeah. Like, yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like, who knows? It's the two the predictive stuff can get wacky.
3: Like Boise took it on the chin from Washington. Well guess what? Everybody's been taking it on the chin from Washington. They played San Diego State this week. And, I mean, watching that game, if Memphis is going to be able to stop the run, Memphis has a very good shot. Because Mm -hmm. the Boise quarterback, Taylor was a Garner or something like that, he really struggles to, like, beat you with his arm. Mm -hmm. But they have a dynamic
2: running game, and their tailback is legit. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, it was also, if we're to go, so huge games this weekend. We're going to talk a lot about the Boise State game throughout the week. Um, but it's also it was a big weekend for the Mike Norvell tree. Just in general, mm. Norvell gets the huge win over Clemson. Florida State can now, you know, it's the ACCs is there to lose. Yeah. You know, theirs to lose. They are the they are the. I don't know if I would say I would give them the belt yet because you got to go out and win the whole. You know, you got to win the conference, win the title. Because there's a decent chance they'll play Clemson again, maybe. Although, eh, maybe, maybe Duke. Because it's no divisions this year. Miami. Oh, yeah, you're right. Um, they can play Miami again. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so Norvell gets the big win. Again, uh, another big win in his career. Another defining win in his career at the hands of a uh, crappy kicker on the other team. So kudos to, me. Kudos to Mike for being on yeah, the winning. Yeah, I put that, though, on Dabo. Two things.
3: Number one, shout out to former Memphis defensive coordinator Adam Fuller. He schemed Mm. up a blitz when it looked like Clemson was going down to win the game, Mm -hmm. and they're – like, take control. They're up seven. They're going down. Any type of score there, the way that Florida State was really struggling to move the ball, that felt like knockout punch. Fuller schemes up a blitz. Running back misses the assignment, blows the assignment. Klubnick just takes a massive shot, and it was the game-changing play. The fumble return for the touchdown – And then, like, Florida State got into overtime. They sat there and said, what is our best chance? Mm -hmm. Let's chunk it up to Keon Coleman. And guess what? Keon Coleman made plays while Dabo's on the other side playing for a field goal with a young man that is literally moving to New York City to go begin his his career, not playing football. And they set it up for him to have that kind of kick. And it's just like that is coaching malpractice.
2: I got to say, though. Sean McDonough's call is fantastic about the writers writers yeah. are on oh, strike.
0: Yeah. <laughs> a Hollywood ending. The writers uh, are on
2: strike. It was almost a Hollywood. What would have been a Hollywood ending? Well, the Writers are on strike. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's good stuff. Um, no, and then so you got Norvell as not probably not in the route you would have you would have predicted uh when he first got the Florida State job, but like wouldn't you have said like those who were pro Mike Norvell would have gone, all right. Give him till year four, maybe then he can challenge Clemson, and that's exactly what he, you know, that's yeah.
3: And everything also got tossed up because of COVID. Yeah, like, but, you fine, know.
2: like he, yeah, you know, he overcame more adversity at Florida State so far than he ever experienced at Memphis. Oh yeah, totally. Like I, he basically had a mutiny on his first team. It
3: felt like well, and even the second team had the same type issues. I think it's fair to say, if I were betting on the next five years. Would I rather bet on Clemson's future or bet on Florida State's future? I think I'd rather bet on Florida State's future.
2: Yeah, because ultimately if Norvell's not the coach there, it might be Dion. Somebody. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, Speaking of Dion, the other big story, again, another Norvell. I, I don't know if he counts. So it's interesting. I- I'm interested to see where ultimately Dan Lanning gets placed in terms of coaching. Is he entries. a Kirby guy? Is he a... Uh- he was a GA at Alabama in 2015. That's what Jeffrey. I'm saying. Is he part of, like, the Saban Kirby? Yeah. Is he a Norvell guy? Because yeah. Norvell is the – Norvell gave him his – he was with Norvell at Arizona State as a GA and then got his first FBS assistant job here at Memphis under Norvell. Yeah. Um. But he had a big weekend. He he, he leaned into the, the anti-Deon – anti-colorado sentiment. sentiment. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Oregon in general did. Yeah, Oregon in general had the duck come out with the gl- with the hat and the cl- sunglasses off, on. Puddles. puddles. Everyone's <laughs> focusing everyone is focusing on What did he say that he said we 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 play for wins, not clicks. Not clicks. And yeah.
3: everyone was focusing on that and everyone of course tried to make that into a racial thing, which is like the you're telling on yourselves. Like there's nothing about that. Like it was antagonistic towards a team that has been yeah. Very
2: loud. If you want to say it was anti-Deon, it was very dion specific The most
3: disrespectful thing that happened the entire pregame mm-hmm. was Puddles coming out <laughs> in the cowboy hat, and the sunglasses, sunglasses, and the boots. Yeah. That was the most disrespectful thing. Now, Puddles didn't pay it off. Did you see it? The head got knocked off. Yeah, the head got knocked yeah, off. Got knocked that off. was tough. Like That's That would have been like one of the well, greatest then, clips of well, all time. But
2: then the problem was, I had a problem with that clip. If you're the mascot, there, the mascot just sprinted back you got into to, no, the tunnel. You have to. That's the rule. You don't rule. think you try and get the no, hat? No, that's the rule. because the, yeah. the kid. You don't want to. If yeah. you fumble and you don't. Yeah. Wanna, somebody
3: else got to pick up that hat. That you got to get out of there as fast as possible.
2: Okay. All right. All right. So there's a code, but I, everyone had a problem with what Lanning did, and like. No, they didn't. There yeah, were can, like there were five people on Twitter well, that are like good Dion. Well, people. that's good then because my thing was if it had what would have happened. Is what should have happened. He went. They went out and killed Colorado, and so he got to crow about it. And if he had gone out and lost to Colorado, you know what would have happened? Everyone would have shoved that back yes! in his face. He would have looked awful. He actually took a huge risk giving that speech and allowing the cameras think, in there. I don't
3: think he took a huge risk. Well, <laughs> I think he knew. It how could that, have been a huge risk. No, 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 no. He knew. I think he knew how that game was going. You also, I know, think think I knew who had that or knew how that game was going to go.
2: Dion. Well, and kudos to Dion. Dion, I thought handled it much better than some of his like biggest fans. Like ultimately, oh, like he handled sure. it well. And he said, he said, get it, get your get your licks in while you can now, which I is fine to say. And if well, he I was, said we got our butts kicked, yeah, he said we got our butts kicked. But like that's a, he did exactly. Dan Lanning did exactly what Dion said. Like because Dan Lanning ain't gonna play Colorado again <laughs> after this. They're leaving. Yeah.
3: But he's running fake punts in like the first quarter. It was it was it was on. Um. So and then Dillingham had a statement. Lost to USC. (laughs) Yeah, he did. uh, And he was. I'm telling you what, guys. And the AD. It looks like the AD
2: might be on his way out.
3: Dillingham was in his bag. Like every trick play that they could have run, he was running wildcat with like his full. Like he, he. Number four, I forget what his name is. He just, like, was putting him at quarterback. and just be like, just run around. Like, this is our best player. But
2: it was amazing that... You hear Feinbaum said Dan Lanning... He thinks Dan Lanning could be, the like, the guy who ultimately takes over for Nick Saban. Now he's, like, a candidate to be that guy down the line. He certainly has the right agent. And that would mean... On that staff here at Mm -hmm. Memphis, like five years ago, six years ago, Mm -hmm. you had the future head coach of Florida State, the future head coach of Oregon slash, you know, maybe in a few years, Alabama, and the future head coach at Arizona State. Mm -hmm. Future head coach at Southern Miss, Will Hall. Yeah. um, The future head coach at Memphis in Ryan Silverfield. Mm -hmm. Did they pick the right one? (laughs) Well, yeah. Yeah, uh, Dan Lanning did an mm-hmm. interview, right? Uh-huh. You know, that's been reported Uh huh. Um, back in 2019. It is, you know, hey. Well, Ryan's got a chance here in the next two, yeah. that, you know, to kind of have his own little breakthrough, maybe. All right, you're going to have to save your T-Swift takes. I'll save it for the list okay. next hour. All
3: right, when we come back, Jason Munz joins the program. Big recruiting weekend for the Tigers this weekend. Got another one upcoming. He'll tell us all about it when we come back right here on Gene Otto and Jeffrey, 92.9 FM, ESPN.
4: Why?
2: Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours.
4: Why? Why?
2: Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys
1: and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. Jason Muns is the Tiger
3: Basketball beat writer for the
1: Commercial Appeal. Joins
3: us each and every Monday on the program. You can follow him on Twitter at Munsley Muns. What are we listening to?
5: Uh, This is Sunday, Jeffrey. It's by uh, the great Iggy Pop, and uh, it's from that album that he released. I don't know, five six years ago with uh, Josh Homme and uh,
3: Queens of the Stone Age. So yeah. What made you think about Sunday?
5: Oh, uh, only you know the the, uh, you know like you you can't literally look or look anywhere or hear anything that wasn't about uh, what was going on in Kansas City uh, Mm. Sunday. So,
3: are you excited for Jameis's return?
5: (sighs) Crying out loud! Why do we have to do this? Why do we? He wasn't bad yesterday. Hey, why do you? He's gonna get he's gonna get some numbers. He's gonna fire to Chris numbers? Alave. I game. know that. That's good what, for me. What
2: what number zero
3: points
5: in the second half?
3: That wasn't his fault. He let a he let a game game deciding drive. It wasn't his fault that he missed
2: the that the kid
5: missed the kick. Uh, that's true, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, we can get into that next time. Let's talk some Tiger hoops because I don't know if this snuck up on me. Official practice starts tomorrow for uh, for Memphis uh, basketball, and then Friday. Uh, they're going to have a uh, practice the media can can watch. Um, so things are suddenly ramping up here, moving uh, quickly. Yeah, at the end of September. Um, so let's start. Let's start here. Do we feel like they know who's going to be on their roster? Do they feel like they? The only thing left to decide now, in your mind, Muns, is whether DeAndre Williams is on this roster or not, and that's a big something. But is that? All that's left to to decide in your mind,
5: yeah, to be decided. Um, mm. I mean, you know, it's not them making the decision. Obviously, that's the up to the NCAA. But yeah, I mean, that's pretty much it um, at this point. You know, we can, uh, you know, we could we can talk about Mikey uh, Williams, but I, you know, I've, I've said all along as long as the uh, as long as the legal stuff is hovering. Uh, I don't believe he'll be part of the program so uh, and 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 right now the legal stuff is still pending so um, uh, so yeah all that's left is Deandre I mean for the longest time there was you know what was Malcolm going to do and then when is David Jones going to get on campus well those two things have happened uh, have been decided and now it's just up to uh, the NCAA to determine what's going to happen with deandre
4: gotcha. and
5: uh, but but yeah practice starts tomorrow and as of Right this very second, there has been no uh, final uh, decision rendered, and so uh, we're going to move forward for the time being until until something
3: changes. Does the lack does. does the lack of announcement tell us maybe what the answer
5: is? I don't think so, honestly. Um, I or I mean, you know, maybe it does. I don't know. Maybe some. Uh, You don't read it. You don't
3: read into it either way. No,
5: No, I can't. I mean, like, because, because we, we literally just don't know whatever, whatever, at least that's how I'm treating it. Like any, any, uh, any way we try to, um, read into it or whatever is just pure speculation. And that doesn't, you know, I mean, we can do that, but at the end of the day, it's not very substantive. Like we just don't know. And, um, uh, yeah, that's kind of my approach, uh, to that. But I mean, you know, that's, I guess, you know, uh, I'm, I'm just a beat writer, so uh, I'll, I'll leave that up to uh, to other people to uh, to us pontificators,
2: uh, in the, in the talk radio world. Uh, we're talking to Jason Munns, Tiger, away. Tiger basketball beat writer for the commercial appeal. <clears throat> um, all right, so. Practice starts. The schedule came out, you know, the full schedule. Now we know all the dates of the conference games. Um, It felt like, and now obviously we know the non conference games. I I will say, looking over it, one thing that was striking to me is that basically from the end, from the middle of November, after their first two games are home, from their third game until like basically the end of December or middle of December they're on the road basically for a month straight. It didn't like even yeah. though we knew the non-conference schedule already when you kind of surveyed it, that really stood out to me. They'll go like a month without a home game in non-conference play. And then as I think we all expected, the the AAC backloaded the two Florida Atlantic games just like they did the past couple years with the Memphis Houston games. Although I was surprised that we did not get FedEx Forum regular season finale against Florida Atlantic like we did the past couple years with Houston. They're gonna that that game that has been on CBS featured nationally the past couple years against Houston is gonna be in Boca Raton in their tiny little gym. Um, those were I mean, those were kind of my two big impressions looking over it. I'm curious what yours were uh, now that we know everything about the the Memphis schedule for for this coming season.
5: Same exact thing. Couldn't have said it any, I mean, like if I had said what I was going to say, it would have been very, very similar to you. I was very surprised that uh, the, 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 that FAU is getting the last, uh, the you know, the, the last game it's going to, against Memphis, it's going to be at their place. Um, we, we can pretty much like, I, I'm, I'm reasonably certain that that game is going to be on CBS, which doesn't, you know, if you're going to put, if you're CVS, you'd probably rather have that name be in FedEx forum. But then I thought about it for another two seconds and I was like, oh yeah, FAU's coming off a Final Four run. They kind of earned it, maybe. I, That's, mean, it
3: I was wondering if that was like a, mm. a tip of the cap to. I guess.
5: Yeah, because it's not like yeah, the.
3: I,
2: even though you know, I was thinking in my head, I go, Oh, is there maybe a Grizzlies the Grizzlies conflict. Well, the Grizzlies play Friday night that weekend, but the, and then they play on the road Sunday, so no. you could you could. I mean, could, we've seen them
3: turn the floor around. They in, could a do day, it, this yeah. like the. They could play Saturday the eleven
2: because yeah. it's been at eleven a.m. the yeah. past couple years. They could play the eleven a.m. game and then go uh, play a Grizzlies game if they needed to. Because um, I was wondering in my head, I go, Maybe the Grizzlies have to be home that weekend because they're gonna have to go on the road because the NCAA tournament is gonna be here this year, uh, the first and second round, so the Grizzlies are going to have to be out of town during that time, but um, yeah, no, it'll be interesting, I mean that that non-conference schedule, when you lay it out there, is just, it's a lot man, I don't, there's not going to be a lot very very many other teams in the country I can't imagine that are playing a non-conference schedule like this.
5: No, and you talked about how much of it or, you know, how long of the how how much of the non-conference schedule is going to be played on the road, well that speaks to the strength of the schedule, you know, you're just you know, yeah, they got Virginia coming in here, they got Clemson coming into FedEx Forum and that's all great. But like the major if they're going to if Memphis is going to at this stage in two thousand twenty three, twenty four, if they're gonna be playing um, you know, top tier type uh teams, they're more often than not gonna have to be on a neutral floor or uh or away from FedEx forum. And uh and so yeah, it's it's uh it, it's daunting, man. Like, and then the fact that the fact that it isn't very staggered.
2: Yeah, it's all at the. It, I mean, it, it, it's all at the beginning. <laughs> it's just all right there. Boom! You get one. You get a game against Jackson State to start the year. Or you get two. Also, other, another interesting thing. This is minor in the grand scheme of things. The exhibition games are really close to the start of the regular season. Yeah. Whereas in previous years, it's kind of they, they've played like one exhibition game, like. Three weeks before the season starts, and then another one a week before. You know, like it's been, it's been this time. that It's like two right before the season starts. I, that that's different, and it, I think it feels right. You know, like you can really get in a rhythm uh, going into those first couple games. Because by the third game, you're gonna have to hit the ground running. And oh, by the way, we 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 kind of overlook it, but the first three games of the season, Penny's not gonna be coaching. Right, Um, including the Missouri. The Missouri game is the one that will matter um, that he won't be coaching in. Um, So, and just the whole dynamic of the schedule in terms of this is a new league. Like I feel like we're we're not going to exactly know how the like NCAA tournament selection committee is going to view this version of the AAC exactly. And and even this year, it's going to be a little bit of an outlier because who knows if Florida Atlantic will ever be this good again? But everyone outside of Florida Atlantic, I'm very uh, curious as to how they will be judged this year because um, it feels like Memphis and Florida Atlantic people view them as like clearly good teams, um, but it's everything below. Like, what do they think of Wichita State and Tulane now? Now that the league, now that you've also got UTSA and um rice at the bottom of your league. Um what do they think of how does UA how do UAB in North Texas? Do they translate like they were they were upper end conference USA, USA teams if not two of the three or four best the past few years? Are they two are they in that upper echelon of the AAC automatically? You hope, I guess, but it'll be, how do, how does the committee view that though?
5: Yeah, you certainly hope. I don't. I mean, you know, the past is the past and all that. But like, so we can talk about what last year's net rankings were. I mean, obviously, FAU is way up there. Memphis is way up there. Um, I mean, the reality is uh, the conference. Remember, Conference USA had
2: the, the NIT champion and the CBI champion last year, and, and the NIT, NIT champion and finalist. Yes, it was like an all conference, and it was these teams. And then they had Florida Atlantic. They had a Final Four team, an NIT champion, and a, you know, it was a good year for, for Conference USA. And most of those teams that contributed to the good year came over to the AAC. So, um, but how is that going to be viewed? I don't know. I, you know, can they but translate? I,
5: just, I, I will say that the other newcomers, not FAU, not UAB, and not North Texas, and I know Charlotte won the CBI and everything but they're, net,
2: they're in they're turmoil. Net. They're going to they're going to be the 3 of the 4. Didn't worst Their, their teams head coach in the just left to take an assistant job.
5: <laughs> yeah. So, Those yeah, teams,
3: I mean, Tulsa
2: and USF are going to be the worst teams in the league. Like they're going to be far and away the worst teams in the league, I think. Unless Tulsa yeah, brought in th- Tulsa did bring in a whole new team. So we'll see. I don't you know, maybe they hit on some guys.
5: Like there's certainly no Houston that's been brought in but no it's not as if the newcomers are just you the know, problem is
2: the bad oh. ones are really bad yeah the, that, you like, you've, exactly you've added
3: you've
5: added some like like dogs. utsa
2: is truly one of the worst division 1 programs in the country right now that, like that's, the,
5: that's exactly what i was going to say they they were like 300th or something in the net last year. <laughs> like something really really crazy 284 or something yeah um and so yeah that, I've heard that's, I've that's,
2: heard that's, they have they might have the worst gym in Division 1 too. Or certainly like the worst among like non you know really lower level league schools in terms of there, facilities. Yeah, UTSA.
5: Facilities.
2: I believe UTSA one of I think it's UTSA well, is they, I, the gym that it has a stage. That's all you need to know. Like there's a stage within the uh, whatever you want to call
0: it, gym How powerful is Cox Internet?
4: Toyota, let's go places.
1: This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.